Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Yeah, welcome to the team. So that's our series, Welcome to the Team. Uh, this morning we're going to be talking about unity and division and purpose. Uh, but before we get into all that, let's go before God in prayer again. Heavenly Father, we pray that your spirit would be over us and we would be of one mind and one purpose. And that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. So I was, I was walking along a bridge uh, late at night, and I see a guy who looks like he's about to jump. So I go over to him and say, you know, what are you doing? He says, what do you think I'm doing? So I start engaging with him and say, oh, what about God? Don't you believe in God? He says, I used to believe in God. In fact, I used to be a Christian. I said, no. I'm a Christian. I said, were you, were you Protestant or Catholic? He's a Protestant. I said, <laughs> me too. I said, what denomination? Were you Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, E.B. Free? He said, Baptist. I said, me too. I said, were you Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. <laughs> I said, me too. I said, were you Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. <laughs> I said, me too. I said, were you Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist or Northern Conservative Reformed Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist. I said, me too. I said, were you Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Western Region? He said, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region. I said, me too. I said, were you Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1812 or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1855? He said, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1855. I said, die, heretic, and I pushed him off the bridge. (laughs) Division, division. People who were in my Sunday school class, they already heard that joke. It's a favorite of mine because I think it captures well what division in the church can so often look like. You know, with so much to be unified by, it's remarkable sometimes just how petty the dividing lines can become. You know, the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 3 here, he says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's really a remarkable statement, right? That in Christ, race doesn't matter. Nationality doesn't matter. Gender doesn't matter. Class or social status doesn't matter. I mean, these are things that have divided and caused so much conflict throughout human history. But in Christ, no, that goes to the wayside. Because we're one in Christ. And yet, with so much to be unified by, we still have division. But we have an enemy. We have an enemy, and he works against us. C.S. Lewis has a great book called The Screwtape Letters. Pastor Steve mentioned it last week. I want to read some passages to you, because I think it illustrates well how the enemy works against us to disunify us. So, take a look at this. Now, this is written from the perspective of a demon. It's a demon writing to a demon underling. And he's teaching him a thing or two about how best to ensnare us. So this is what he says here. He says, The real trouble about the set your patient is living in is that it is merely Christian. They all have individual interests, of course, but the bond remains mere Christianity. What we want, if men become Christians at all, is to keep them in the state of mind I call Christianity and, you know, Christianity and the crisis, Christianity and the new psychology, Christianity and the new order, Christianity and faith healing, Christianity and cyclical research, Christianity and vegetarianism, Christianity and spelling reform. If they must be Christians, let them at least be Christians with a difference. Christianity and. I think the Apostle Paul's getting at something kind of similar when he's writing to Titus. Check this out. Titus chapter 3 verse 9. He says, but avoid foolish controversies. 
and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn it to visit a person once and then warn them a second time after that have nothing to do with them. Now, I don't think Paul here is really talking about like those mere Christianity, like those basic truths about the Christian doctrine. It's not the Apostles' Creed. It's not the Nicene Creed kind of thing. Right? Paul doesn't seem to show any hesitancy in, in getting into it over that. I think he's talking about Christianity and, right? Christianity and genealogies. And the early church did struggle with this, right? It was Christianity and the Sabbath, or Christianity and food sacrifice to idols. Well, the modern church deals with the same thing of Christianity and. In fact, the church actually is naturally geared or naturally oriented to emphasize Christianity and. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, take a look at this map up here. So this is Tulare, okay? And these are various churches within Tulare. So we fill up that map pretty well. You have options. So why do you go to this church and not that church? Well, we're Reformed. You can't go to a non-Reformed church. Are you even Christian? Christianity and... It's introducing something, not, not, not the Apostles' Creed, not the Nicene Creed, not those basic tenets, right? Because the thing of it is, what divides us, and when we're talking about the church universal, is also what makes us distinct. So it sets us apart in a crowded marketplace, right? Christianity and, right? And, and so what happens is, is that the church can sometimes start to take those secondary or tertiary theological issues and start making them primary, start making them more and more important. Because you can't go to that church. I mean, what's their view on baptism? You can't go to that church. What's their view on eschatology? Christianity and Calvinism. Christianity and covenant theology. And it makes sense, right? I mean, if you're going to go to a church, why not go to a church that you're more in line with theologically? That makes sense. And these issues, these are things that are worth discussing. They are. They're worth thinking about, definitely. But the point is, they're not worth division. They're not worth pushing people off of bridges. And we can do that. So at TCC, we're trying to combat against this. We are part of the Tulare Association of Churches. Right? Churches all in Tulare, different denominations. And we're getting together. You know, the pastors meet. We do joint services together. We had one last Sunday, actually. The next one's going to be here at TCC. You're encouraged to come to that. And we do partnerships with different ministries, with different churches, different denominations, like Reaching Higher, Village of Hope. So that's good stuff, right? It's acknowledging, yeah, we have differences, but we're united in Christ. We're putting the first things first. But realize that churches, particularly historically, have not necessarily been geared to that. We can get into this mindset of pushing people off of bridges. We don't want to do that. The church is not meant to divide. The church is meant to unify, okay? Now, uh, if we can't be divided by minor theological disagreements, well, the enemy has a different tactic. Let's go back to Lewis. Here's what he says. He says, Surely you know that if a man can't be cured of church-going, the next best thing is to send him all over the neighborhood looking for the church that suits him until he becomes a taster or connoisseur of churches. He says further, I think I warned you before that if your patient can't be kept out of the church, he ought at least to be violently attached to some party within it. I don't mean on really doctrinal issues. About those, the more lukewarm he is, the better. And it isn't the doctrines on which we chiefly depend for producing malice. 
The real fun, though, the real fun is working up hatred between those who say Mass and those who say Holy Communion. When neither party could possibly state the difference between, say, Hooker's Doctrine and Thomas Aquinas's in any form which would hold water for five minutes. And all the purely indifferent things, candles and clothes and whatnot, are an admirable ground for activities. That kind of gives me chills. I, I look around and I, I think I see that. Now, if we're not going to be divided by minor theological disagreements, well, again, you have options. So why go to this church and not that church? Well, what's the music like? What's the lighting like? What's the dress code like? Do they have pews or chairs? What's their stance on coffee in the sanctuary? Do they call it a sanctuary? See, when you have options, what happens is that your preferences or your tastes take on greater and greater importance. And we become consumers of church. In fact, that's the language that we use, isn't it, right? I'm going church shopping. Consumers of church. And believe it or not, the church will acquiesce to you. It'll try to meet your demands because you're the customer, and the customer's always right. The problem is when we start approaching church as consumers, as customers, well, look around, there's a lot of customers. And they all want different things. And that is fertile ground for division. You better believe it. You know, we are part of a denomination that literally had a split over music. You want to see real division? First Corinthians. Let's look at this church, the really messed up church. He says this to them. First Corinthians Chapter 6, he says, I say this to shame you. Is it possible, is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers, but instead, one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers? The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and your sisters. Wow. That's division. Lawsuits even among congregants. Serious stuff here. Now, now, Apostle Paul wants this to be resolved and to be resolved in the right way. He's not advocating for some kind of spiritual abuse. But I want you to capture his heart here. I want you to capture his mindset, his value. What is he after? What is he after? This is a serious grievance. Serious wrong going on here, right? This is not over some trivial matter like music or lighting. And yet, what does he say? Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated for the sake of unity, for the sake of the body, for the sake of Christ's reputation in the community? Do you see that? You capture that? You see his heart? You see his mindset? You see what he's after, what he's principally concerned with? Is that your heart? Is that your mindset? Would you rather be wronged? I mean really wronged for the sake of unity. Would you rather be cheated for the sake of the body, for the sake of Christ's reputation in the community? Is that your heart? Is that your mindset? I mean, honestly, most of us probably won't even be inconvenienced for the sake of unity. Music's too loud. My. Or it's too quiet. Just do hymns. Forget this place. Lighting's too dark. I'm out. It's too bright. Pews instead of chairs. Chairs instead of pews. Forget this. Is that really how the pastor's going to dress? This is not the way I would do church. Good day. Yeah. 
Now, I get it, right? You get it. We all have preferences. We all have tastes. We all have things that we like better. We're different. We're made different. You know, part of the reason why we're doing North Campus and South Campus is a celebration of those differences, right? And done in the right way, this can actually be a unifying thing in our love and our admiration for God. It can be. It's, it's about the heart. It is. It's about the heart. But hold it up before God. Examine it. Say, is this right? Is this right? Am I, am I making my preferences and my taste into an idol? Am I becoming a consumer of church? Because the reality is this. Unity takes work. Unity takes work. You have to fight for it. But when you have so many good options, it's just easier not to. Capture this. Capture this. Help us out, Paul. Philippians, he says this, chapter 2, verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, oh, then make my joy complete, TCC, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. One in spirit and in purpose. That's so good, isn't it? One in spirit and purpose. You know, our, our enemy wants us to be disunified. He wants disunity. If you can't get that, you'll settle for aimless. You know, so often times the, the church can become just like that children's illustration, right? It's just this machine, this apparatus, and maybe we're living it out in unity. We're at peace with one another, right? We'll get you plugged into the machine, but we're not really doing anything. We don't want to be that. No, we, we want to be unified, but we want to be unified around a mission and a vision. We want it to have a purpose. Part of the reason why we, we're choosing this team analogy is for that reason, right? Teams are unified, but they're unified towards something. They have a goal in mind. I am a Buffalo Bills fan. I'm married into it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the Buffalo Bills went to the playoffs last year for the first time in 17 years. And I think part of the reason for that success was because of new head coach Sean McDermott. And like a lot of head coaches that are coming into a system that's not working, one of the first things they're trying to do is change the culture. So Sean McDermott walks in at One Bill's Drive into the clubhouse and he sees a pool table. No, that's got to go. People, why? What? No, that's our pool table. We love playing pool. The team loves it. It's team building. We all gather around, play pool. It's great. He goes, no, no, no. We're not here to play pool. We're here to win football games, right? And yes, we're going to be unified. We're going to be a team. We're going to work on that. But this has nothing to do with our mission and our vision. It's got to go. There's an interesting experiment that was done on chimps. That's a nice little transition. Um, they put chimps in a cage, and they had access to a treat. But any time any of the chimps went for that treat, all of the chimps in the cage got squirted with a fire hose. So they learned very quickly, don't go after that treat. Okay, but then what they did was they removed the fire hose, unbeknownst to the chimps, and they inserted a new chimp who knew nothing about the fire hose, never experienced it before, into the cage with them. So, of course, that one goes right after that treat. Well, the other chimps who knew about the fire hose, who had experienced it, they stop them, tackle them, beat them. And that chimp learns, don't go after that treat. Well, they keep doing this. They keep doing this. They keep inserting new chimps who knew nothing about the fire hose, never experienced it, while removing the original chimps who had experienced the fire hose, who knew about it, until eventually what you have is a cage full of chimps who had never experienced a fire hose, knew nothing about it, but were behaving in the exact same fashion. 
That is, they would never go for that treat, and they would violently stop anybody who tried to. Right? So it's the same behavior, but it's disconnected from the reason why. Now, we're much smarter than chimps, but we are susceptible to the same sort of psychology, doing the same sort of behavior, but not connected to the reason why. That's what empty traditions are. And it can look like this in a church. Well, this is how we do church because this is how we do church. It's a bunch of people walking around going, oh, you've got to be flipping switches. You have switches here to be flipped. This is what church is all about. And you go, no, no, that had a function 20 years ago. It's not even connected to anything anymore. And you go, no, 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 church is all about flipping switches. I am not comfortable with a church that doesn't have a switch to flip. You can get into this mindset, the same sort of behavior, but not connected to the reason why. Let's not be chimps. Let's make sure that our behavior, what we're doing, is connected to a mission and a vision. We have to have freedom of that. And sometimes that might require changing the culture. Saying, oh, that pool table, it's got to go. It's not connected to our mission and the vision. We have to have freedom to do that. Now, this has to be in connection to the Word of God, obviously. That's our guardrails. That's what keeps us grounded. But let's not be chimps. Let's think about what we're doing. Back to Sean McDermott. Another thing he did was he put up signs. He put up signs everywhere that said, playoff caliber. Why? Well, he's after something. He's after something. He wants his team to be after something, to rally around something. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but when you walked into the doors back there, there was a sign. There's another one over on the other campus, too. It says the same thing. It's on your program. It's on the website. What is it? Be one, make one. Yeah. See, we're after something. We're after something. We want to be disciples, and we want to make disciples. We're going after that. So corporately, we're doing that as a church planning church. We're being disciples. We're making disciples. But we need to be about that individually, too, right? If I'm a disciple, if I'm a follower of Jesus, well, I need to be doing the things that Jesus did. I need to be following him. I need to be applying the word of God to my life, right? I'm a disciple of Jesus. That means I'm on the team. And if I'm on the team, I have things I need to do. I got workouts. I got practice. I got team meetings to attend. Are we going after it, right? Be one. Be one. Are you going after that? So what does it look like? Well, it says, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to dedicate myself to the Word of God because I'm on the team. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray without ceasing. I'm going to offer prayers of thanksgiving and petition and repentance. I'm going to get that TCC prayer update. And I'm going to pray because I'm on the team. And I'm going to show up on Sundays. I'm going to show up on Sundays. You know, I think we're getting kind of lax about that. Author of Hebrews says this. He says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Now, we're not legalistic about that. I mean, look, if you're sick, stay home. Don't spread your disease. Uh, Look, you got got vacations, you got work stuff, scheduling conflicts. We get it. It's about the heart. But I think what happens is we get into the spectator mode, right? And if you're approaching church saying, oh, this is the entertainment and I'm the audience, well, then, yeah, it doesn't really matter whether or not you show up. I mean, we'd love to have a full house just for our own egos, but other than that, it really doesn't matter. But it's a completely different thing. It is a completely different thing if we're approaching church saying, this is a team meeting, and I'm on the team. You ever been a part of a team and miss a team meeting without a good excuse? No bueno. <laughs> All right, so are we going after that? Are we being disciples? What about in worship? Are we worshiping, not just on Sundays, but throughout our week, right? Putting us in the right frame of mind. 
Understanding who God is, who we are in light of that? We should be, if we're on the team. I'm going to give. I'm going to give of my time and my energy and my resources, my talents and my blood even, because I'm on the team. And we're going to live this out together in small groups, encourage one another, spur one another on, comfort one another, mourn with one another, rebuke one another, discipline one another if need be, because those are my teammates, and I'm on the team. Are we getting after that? That's B1. B1. We're getting after it. What about make one? How are we doing? I was overhearing a conversation. Uh, this was some time ago. And there was excitement. You could hear it in their voices that somebody new had shown up. And so they're practicing that radical hospitality that we're all about. And so they're engaging with this person saying, oh, it's so great that you heard about us, that you came. We're so happy that you're here. And the person was like, yes, it's so great. I love it. I feel so welcome. I feel so at home. And, uh, you know, all good stuff, right? And they keep talking, trying to engage and saying, oh, so are you new here? Or what's the story? It's, oh, no, no, I've been here for some time. Yeah, I, I, I go to such and such church, but I'm coming here now. I like it. Okay. I mean, we're, we're glad you're here. We're glad everybody is here, right? We, we want you to feel like, you're, like you belong and that you have connections. We want that. That's important. And that's important to us. And we're actually trying to get better at that. But I think we can confuse that sometime with advancing the kingdom. I think we can get it mixed up a little bit. We're, we're just looking at our attendance number or our membership number or area of success here and going, oh yeah, we're advancing the kingdom. And those are not the same things. Those are not the same things. And sometimes I look at the state of the church in North America, I'm just kind of like, oh man, what are we doing? Honest to goodness, what are we doing? I mean, sometimes it can feel like all we're really doing is just sort of rotating chairs. You know what I mean? Right, so some people come in from Sunrise or Nazarene Church, and our people go to Pipeline or CRC, and around and around we go, just rotating chairs. Right, some membership goes up, some membership goes down, but meanwhile, Christianity in North America continues its steady decline. Let's not worry about that, though. I mean, the important thing is, what is the lighting like in church? What are we after? What are we after? You are called an ambassador of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, are you in Christ? If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Are you going after that? Are you living that out? Are you a disciple? Are you an ambassador in your sphere of influence? Who's in your sphere? Is it your neighbor, your coworker, your employer, your employee? Do they know Jesus? Do you even care? I'll be honest, I struggle with that. I do. I have this nasty sort of tendency to value people a little bit less than I value ideas. Like, I'd much rather have a debate than engage in small talk. And it's not exactly like evangelism's in my wheelhouse. Maybe it's not in yours. And we can get complacent. Go, you know what? I got my family. got my friends. got my small group. I don't need new teammates. But even if it's not your gift, it's not your calling, thank God it's some other people's, but you are called if you are a disciple. See, Jesus tells his disciples, go make disciples. If you're a disciple of Jesus, that applies to you too. See, you're not a spectator. 
You are not an audience member. No, you're on the team. You're on the team. Are we getting after it? Side note. Uh, Priest team, you can, you can come on up. Uh, side note, though. Uh, so I think we can reduce this to like uh, uh, evangelism as sort of just inviting people to church. I, I want to encourage you to maybe think beyond that. Because I think what can tend to happen is, let's say this. If you invited somebody to this service, I'm very sorry, because this is not a great message for them, right? I'm talking to teammates, and they're not yet on the team, right? And we, we create space sometimes and say, this is a good service, or we have an event to say, this is a good service. But not all of them are like that, right? Some of them are not. This would be one of them. So we need to, I think, be strategic about that, right? Thinking about that. But more than that, when we reduce evangelism to just inviting people to church, I think that's slipping into a spectator mindset. We're going, oh yeah, that that person, he'll tell you about Jesus. No, you're the ambassador, right? So we getting after it? All right, make one. Are we getting after that? Can you imagine if we did? Can you imagine if we really went after that? You know, Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades won't overcome it. Think about it. I mean, think about the power that that has in church. If we were actually going after this, if we were actually living this out, if we were unified, if we were one in Christ, unified around a mission and a vision of be one, make one, if we were being disciples and going after that with everything that we had and making disciples and going after that with everything that we had, can you imagine what we could do? Would you want to be a part of a team like that? Well, that's a winning team. That's a winning team. Against a team like that, the gates of Hades wouldn't stand a chance. Let's get after it. Let's get after it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we don't do this alone. That it is not in our own power, but by your Spirit that works in us to accomplish your ends. Thank you that you have promised to never leave us or forsake us. Jesus, help us be as you are one with Father. Help us to be one with each other. And all this I pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.